Good evening, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of SDGC Live on Thursday. It's February 11th. It is the 11th, 2021. And we are back to talk about all the big, important video game news that happened this past week. And what a week it has been, uh, especially in the past, I don't know, 12 hours. Uh, uh, we've had a lot of news drop this week, and we are here and ready to talk about it. And on the panel tonight, for those of you listening on major podcast services and can't see uh, the rest of this lovely podcast, uh, Brittany is here. Hello, Brittany. Hello. And and uh, look, oh, Derek, you're smiling. You and your smiling face are our sweet producer, my sweet Derek. How are you? How, how are you, bud? I'm gay and I'm about to be loud as shit because I got <laughs> what whiskey. Are you, what are you drinking there? What do you got there? Just old Forester. Old Forester. Brittany, what is that? know what this is john uh, yeah. you know you know what you, know you know it you know it look at that i got the yep. exact same th hell yeah mm -hmm. little peanut it's butter so whiskey. for anybody who doesn't know it's peanut butter whiskey hell <laughs> fucking yeah and um sorry i had, had to look at the chat real quick and uh jeff is your jeff you've got a band-aid on your hand what jeff happened and i both have hand wounds jeff you're, you're muted. muted you're muted bud every time. <laughs> every time it's a tradition at this point it's a tradition no, I was going to say, Derek uh, was talking about slicing his thumb open, and I was like, oh, I always have bandages on my hands, and two seconds later, I just destroyed it on my desk drawer, and just sliced <laughs> the back of it open, just bleeding everywhere, so. Everybody here, yeah. like, Derek sliced his thumb off, you, you're wounding your hand, I've got, I've got a scar from a knife wound in my hand, like, we, we must, we must really hate our hands on this podcast. Justin, do you have any, any hand or head wounds you need to warn us about before we, before we go live here? Or before oh, no. we are live i'm tired We're, we are live also We're li yeah i know um, no tired. i i i have surprisingly few injuries this week um which is good <laughs> surprisingly few injuries and none of us have a cat filter on so we're doing okay yeah. I, promise, I promise a witch hasn't turned me into a cat i should have done i should have done that for the episode i should have i should have had a, a zeke one for every time every time every time derek turns on his kentucky fried accent i <laughs> i I, I live a little bit inside. De Derek, how did that go? How did that go? I said, I swear a witch hasn't turned me into a cat. You sound like, you know, you sound like. They turned me into a hornet toad. You, you, yes, you sound like Delmar from Oh Brother Where Are Thou. That's exactly what the fuck I was going to say. Oh, them sirens done loved him up and turned him into, <laughs> into a hornet toad. Hornet toad. We have nothing to input, right? This is just the whole show. It's just exactly. <laughs> God, I wish. I fucking. You know what? Let, let, let's drop our planned topic, and yeah, this is our episode. Now. God, I almost. I really trust me. I really. Derek does voices it. for an hour and a half. <laughs> the con Derek, the content warning stays though. Yeah, yeah, no. The con yeah, no. When, when Derek starts doing voices, you absolutely need a. You may find this warning. disturbing. <laughs> or we need or, a content warning for the voices. <laughs> Warning! I the only following just content started maybe, the whiskey too, y'all. Whenever Derek starts doing voices, the content warning is: the following content may uh, may may make you feel warm on the inside and wholesome. Uh, did you just ooh? -woo? Yeah. Don't yeah. don't don't ever do that again. It just it <laughs> makes me smile. It makes me smile. I've got a reputation to uphold, Derek. Yeah. I'm grumpy. All right, so do we want to go ahead and launch into our first topic of the night? I think so. So that's the thing we've been, we've had, it's been rare for the last like year and some change that we've had a meaty show with actual, like a lot of topics. 
We do have several topics to get to. I promise I don't want to spend the whole show on fucking war crimes, but uh, we do want to talk about an announcement that happened earlier today. Um, do you all mind if I introduce the topic? Please. John, I know you have a lot to say about it. Please. Um, and this might be the best opportunity I have to say something meaningful. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. So bud. earlier today, uh, six days at Fallujah was, or six days in Fallujah was revealed, uh, which is a game that famously was, was like vaporware from like 15 years ago. I want to say it was 2004, 2005. It was first announced. That was in, Yeah. It was, like, it was announced in the mid 2000s. It was around yeah, when it was supposed it was to release. I believe it was, it was smack in the middle of the Iraq War. Right. Uh, is my recollection, and I don't remember us ever seeing actual screenshots or gameplay footage. Um, but it was supposed to be that Konami was going to publish this game, and it was going to be this tactical third-person shooter with very strong, they said, like, survival horror elements, and they were going to try to create this ultra-realistic depiction of uh, what it was like to be on the ground in Fallujah, telling real stories, uh, consulting with, with real soldiers uh, about what they went through in Fallujah, and uh, it, it was met with some controversy and, like, a conceptual point, and then the game was canceled before we ever saw anything of it. Fast forward to today, the game is is out of nowhere. More than a decade since we last heard anything of it being canceled uh, is revealed again. It is not being published by Konami anymore. It is it is on paper a different developer, but my understanding is it's the same lead guy behind it. I think when we did a little bit of it, I'm I'm a the, little I'm a little what was the guy's that, name, I believe, John? Uh, uh, um, Tempty or whatever was. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure you pronounce it. Uh, uh, Tampty? Tamped? Yeah. I'm going to say but Tamped. He was the president of the original developer. So so clearly some of the same people are behind this, uh, even though it's no longer a Konami joint. Um, but uh, but but yeah, it's um, and, and the only thing we really know for sure that's changed is that they've moved into a first person perspective. It was going to be tactical right. third person. It's moved into a first person. Uh, and we got this trailer today. And, um, you know, as with anything that has anything to do with the Iraq war or, or the, you know, U S military industrial complex, it gets a little capital D discourse, a little spicy. Um, John, you were slash are a Marine. I apologize if I don't have the, the exact terminology down. Um, I know you're not hardcore about it. Some people are. And, and, um, I know that can that's a little different for the Marines compared to most branches of the armed forces. Um, you served in the Middle East a lot, and you've also been very vocally anti-war and anti-imperialist like in terms of the mm-hmm. U.S.'s. Um, you know, you learned a lot coming out the other side of, of being in the armed forces and re-entering civilian life. Um, and I know this is a very, very personal subject for you. So, John... What do you think was your main concern? What is your main concern about this game? What, what? Yeah, just, just okay. hit me. So, man. so John, sorry, sorry to cut in, John. I just uh, want to remind us. Um, oh, I, I was going to, I was going to start. Okay. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I, I haven't forgotten. I was going to say, actually, sorry, Jeff, I didn't mean to steal uh-uh. your thunder there. 
Um, so, so over the course of this discussion, I will be getting into things that I have seen in Iraq of a gruesome and gory nature in order to kind of drive home the points that I'm making. So <laughs> if the, um, if the grim reality of, of, you know, human death and suffering is at all bothersome to you, please feel free to tap out for the first part of this podcast. We're not going to you know, please do, please. We, we want you to, to take care of yourself and, and, and provide as much self-care as you possibly can. Um, just throwing that out there, give it kind of give everybody a warning. Um, so I want to, I want to start this off by, uh, reading a quick article from, uh, Eurogamer to kind of set the table here about six days in Fallujah. So this was by a Wesley Yin pool, who's the deputy editor of Eurogamer. And I'm going to read it here. Six days in Fallujah has reemerged 11 years after, after Konami ditched it. The Iraq war game, which is set during 2004's second Battle of Fallujah, I was there, was dropped by Konami in April 2009 due to the amount of negative feedback received. After seeing the reaction to the video game in the United States and hearing opinions sent through phone calls and email, we decided several days ago not to sell it, a Konami spokesperson said at the time. Now, this was back in 2009. Developer Atomic Games has been collaborating with real U.S. soldiers to authentically retell the Iraq battle of Fallujah from an American perspective. Unsurprisingly, the PC, PlayStation 3, and Xbox 360 shooters soon came under fire from the mainstream press. Even real-life SAS hardman Andy McNabb got involved. SAS is the British Special Forces. Um, we had intended, a statement from the developer stated, we had intended to convey the reality of the battles to players so that they could feel what it was like to be there. We're going to get back to that. Now, 11 years later, Six Days in Fallujah is back as a tactical military shooter based on the real-world events in development by former Halo and Destiny makers. Uh, I'm going to skip through some of the article here. Um, in the announcement uh, was included a quote from former Marine Sergeant Eddie Garcia, who was wounded during the Battle of Fallujah and proposed the original idea for Six Days in Fallujah in 2005. Sometimes the only way to understand what's true is to, to experience reality for yourself. War is filled with uncertainty and tough choices that can't be understood by watching someone on the TV or movie screen make those choices for you. Video games can help all of us understand real-world events in ways other media can't. The note to press stresses that the developers are working with frontline Marines and soldiers who fought in the battle for Fallujah with over 100 Marines, soldiers, and Iraqi civilians who were present sharing their stories, photos, and recordings. The game will include original documentary, documentary interview footage. Here's a bullish quote from Tamped, perhaps in anticipation of questions over why this game needs to be made. It's hard to understand what combat is actually like through fake people doing fake things in fake places. This generation showed sacrifice and courage in Iraq, as remarkable as any in history. And now they're offering the rest of us a new way to understand one of the most important events of our century. It's time to challenge outdated stereotypes about what video games can be. Okay, so right off the bat, we were never supposed to fucking be there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think any okay. discussion of Iraq that doesn't include the fact that it was we were there based on lies, we had no right to be there, uh, is is incomplete. So, so, so when you want to educate, so, so I've heard the sentiment today a lot about six days in Fallujah. We have to educate uh, gamers and people who want to play the game about what it was like to be there. Well then, oh, well then, you know what? Open a fucking book, go to Wikipedia, talk to veterans who have been there. You know, you know, there are numerous ways to teach people about Operation Iraqi Freedom without making a fucking video game about it. Here's where, here's the biggest problem to me is, and I've said this before, 
when you start talking about we want to take the player to the battlefield and have them experience this as though you were there, well, you can't fucking do that. That's impossible. Because, and this is where we're going to get into some of the grim stuff. So just, again, as a warning, <clears throat> I have seen bodies blown apart right in front of me. Um, our gunnery sergeant, gunnery sergeant Ronald Baum, was blown apart by a rocket. He was in the turret of a Humvee. And he had just moved it. We were at uh, we were we were in Zaydan, which is about ten clicks south of Fallujah. It's the two worst weeks of my fucking life. We called this place Camp Incoming, um, because we took about eight to ten rounds of indirect fire a day. We had no cover, so when the rockets and mortars started rolling in, all we could do was curl a new ball and fucking pray. Um, we lost a few people there. Uh, Gunnery Sergeant Baum was the CI HET team leader. A HET team is a human exploitation team, basically basically the counterintelligence guys. He he was a good man. He was, uh, I'm older than he was now, which is fucking freaking me out. Um, he was 38 years old. Uh, he left behind a wife and two kids. He was in the turret of a Humvee, and he said, I have a bad feeling about this. I want you to take this Humvee. We're going to move it over here. So they moved it to one corner of the FOB. I was about maybe 30 feet away. And as soon as they stopped, a rocket r slammed right into the turret, and he was gone. Um, we had to clean him out of the turret. Um, and it's one thing, it's one thing to see a, a, a death occur in Call of Duty, for example. It's one thing to see a body blown apart in a video game, right? But it's another thing entirely to have that body all over you or to smell it or to see the shock in the faces of your fellow Marines at what the fuck just happened. Um, now I told you, I'm going to get grim. The only thing left of him that was, um, that was tangible was an eye. That's it. You can't convey that in a video game. You can't, you know, that's not something that, that's not something that you want to be able to translate into a video game because it was the scariest moment of my fucking life. Um, the next day we had an impromptu memorial for for gunny bomb and of course we're all in our kit uh our flak our kevlar because again you know we're in the middle of a fucking war and you know rockets and mortars are going to come raining raining in at you know at you know at a moment's notice and so tradition in the marine corps when somebody dies in this case gunnery sergeant is um all of the company or all of the all of the battalion gunnery sergeants uh in this case are called to attention and then the and then the the marine who has been killed is called to attention. His name is repeated three times, and of course he doesn't re, he doesn't re, he doesn't you know report for duty because he's dead. It's, that's how we do it. Um, and I remember standing there at attention. We had a we had a marine who was a corporal and he was a Muslim. He we had a Christian prayer and we also had an Islamic uh, prayer. And I was sitting there thinking about the fact that. You know, I had I had gone out with Gunny Bomb a lot. You know, um, we we would uh, we would go out on patrol. I went on patrols with him. I did court and knocks with him. Um, and a video game cannot accurately depict the emotions that you feel when you have fought with a man, when you have talked with a, a, this man about his family, when you have eaten meals with this man, and then all of a sudden. He's gone in the blink of an eye, in a, an explosion, and a essentially a, a pink mist. He's just gone. There's no video game that can actually bring you 
into that moment. And if there is, if there is somehow a video game that can make you feel those things, to make you feel those emotions that were in our minds and in our hearts that day, then take that video game and throw it to the bottom of the deepest fucking ocean. Yeah, nobody should feel because that Because nobody should ever want to feel that way. There is a reason that we don't send civilians off to war. There's a reason that we have a military. Okay? Now, so, so to can, say I, nothing, can I pop in? No, on? please. go. No, no. no. Yeah. Anybody is free to interrupt me and ask so, questions. So please. here's my thing. I think... I don't think that it's it's necessarily that it's and at any point feel free to interject anybody obviously I don't think the point is that you can never ever make any piece of media that covers what happened in Fallujah what happened on any any battlefield uh, usually the point you're trying to make in these kinds of of discussions is that it's it's incredibly disrespectful and incredibly ignorant to try to act like you're going to replicate the feeling of what it was like the trauma of what it was like to actually experience that. Um, I will add on top of that, that, that something that you hadn't gotten to yet, but all of us pretty regularly feel about these sorts of things is I doubt in most developers ability to handle this subject matter, not just game developers. I doubt a lot of people's ability to handle the subject matter with the, um, with the, the pain that it deserves and with the skepticism that it deserves i see this game like one of the things that bothers me is is in this trailer they're talking about how oh you know they would the you know they would lure you into the back of the house where it would be easier to shoot you and this and that and i mean correct me if i'm wrong but the events in fallujah was was a i mean it was the siege of a city basically on our part and i think about what would happen if i had the military roll into louisville you know, right here in Kentucky and then had a foreign power drop in and try to move into Louisville, Russia, China, whatever country you think is scary, whatever, you know, I, I try not to think in that simplistic a term, but let's just say Russian forces, whatever, start rolling into Louisville. And you think that people aren't going to fight back against the foreign power that's storming their city, regardless of how critical they are of their own government, of their own military, like portraying this in a survival horror situation for the Marines also feels kind of dehumanizing to the people of Iraq. And I know John, you've talked a lot about the people of Iraq and like a lot of the interpreters and a lot of the civilians uh, and how much their suffering gets overlooked. So in these and the discussions. And well, and that's that's kind of the next thing I wanted to touch on is, you know, this mentions Iraqi civilians and and you know, and something from their perspective. <laughs> we have yet we have yet to apologize to Iraqi civilians for what we did to them. Um we went there illegally. We occupied their country and we asked them to fight for us, we asked them to be interpreters for us, we asked them to be sources for us, right? I knew some of these guys personally. And we would make promises to them, right? Like do this for us and, you know, American citizenship is yours. Do this for us. And, you know, we'll make sure your family is taken care of. It's it's all, you know, it's all. Hey, can we ban that guy? I got him. I'm I'm done. I'm done seeing that. Yep. Thank you. I'm I got it. Um so I didn't come here to you want to fucking question me? No, not right now. Um we broke so many fucking promises 
to the Iraqi people. And it's something that I have been very open about on Twitter. It is something I have been very open about in my personal life. It is one of my biggest regrets is, is what we did to the Iraqi people that we made promises to that we made, that we made assurances to. And some of these, a lot of these guys are dead now. Their families are dead because we fucking lied to them. Um, so, so, you know, with all due respect to, to the individuals who make this game, don't tell me that you were going to sit here and tell and, and talk about what it was like from an Iraqi perspective, from an Iraqi civilian perspective, because I don't, because I, I, I don't fucking, I don't buy it. I don't buy it for one fucking minute. You know, um, when you say it's hard to understand what combat is actually like through fake people doing fake things in fake places, this this generation showed sacrifice and courage in Iraq as remarkable as any in history. But you know what it also showed? Let's not forget that this was a fucking illegal war to begin with. It doesn't matter about. And yeah, I saw multiple instances of individual courage and bravery and self-sacrifice. I myself did my best to comport myself as a humane and professional Marine when I was there. I had to do things to stay alive that I'm not proud of. Um, and there's, there's, there, there's no way around it. Um, I'm here. Um, and you know, it's one of those things that, you know, that's, that's just the way my, unfortunately, that's just the way things, things panned out for me. But, but, you know, as, as far as Iraqi civilians go, we still haven't even owed. We still haven't even given them a fucking apology for what we did to their country. We're going to make a fucking video game. Are any of the Iraqi civilians, any of the families, who are now missing sons and brothers and and husbands and wives and daughters and aunts and uncles and grandparents, are we? Are any of the proceeds from the sales of this game going to go towards restitution for them? Because let's not fucking forget, we're making a video game about a goddamn war crime. That's what we're doing, and by doing that. All we're doing is just sensationalizing it and making money off of it. You know, that one fucking asshole in chat said, well, it's a part of history. Now, if you want history, go read a fucking book. This is not like world making a World War II game. I mean, there are people who were born in the Battle of Fallujah. The people born when Fallujah happened. God, my when fucking hand is shaking. Happened. I'm sorry, Derek. I know. It's okay. Let me take over for a moment so you get a chance. We're to still breathe. there. It's still going yeah. on. Yeah. This isn't when, when, like this, when something this... far in the past. Yeah. When these... this event specifically this this tight moment in time that this game is trying to reference happened people born then cannot smoke today you know what i mean <laughs> like this is not distant history people who were victimized by this were victimized not that long ago and i think that sometimes we we make the mistake of of thinking that portraying something accurately is the same as doing it justice uh, a great example of this is is very famously the um the uh C140 sequence. I think I've got the name of the plane right. Please uh correct me if I'm wrong. I know what you're talking about. 130, thank you. C130 and, and, and Modern, Modern Warfare, Warfare 2 famously is yeah. very, very accurate to the point that, that uh some very famous like footage from a C130 was referenced for that mission. And when that original footage, like people who watched that footage, their thought was this is chilling how casually these tiny handful of people on this plane are wiping out 
dozens of people's lives, even if they are enemy combatants, it is chilling how dehumanizing that is. But when you get to recreating that super faithfully in Call of Duty, the format of having the player aim at targets and switch weapons and pick the most effective thing for the moment to kill the most people possible takes that away and turns it into a cool shooting gallery segment. Changing the medium and changing the level of the player's involvement changes the message in a lot of ways. Because Call of Duty never really has anything to say about that beyond recreating something that was chilling in a different context. Um, and I think that's what worries me about, about Six Days in Fluja. It can be as accurate as possible, but the stuff that it chooses not to show or that it does not say or talk about will be just as much a part of the message that they send, maybe accidentally, um, as what it is that they do show accurately. Justin, I saw you had your hand Justin, up. Justin, go ahead, bud. Yeah. Yeah, so I kind of building on that, um, you touched on a few things I want to say, but one thing, especially in that statement that from the director that John said, um, where he specifically like kind of calls out, oh, this wouldn't work in a fictional setting. Like that's something where he's really lost me and why I think there's, why I have so little faith in this project doing justice to the concept that it's trying to portray because we have not even had a a game that is set in a war setting that has really tackled all this stuff well like spec ops the line was good but there's a lot of very fictional stuff in it like there's you know hallucination sequences and stuff we have not even had something set in a fictional setting that has proven that this can be done and i think before you take on like an actual historical event like this, especially something so recent, like John was there. Like people are very much still around from this event. They're still traumatized by it. The people of Iraq are still suffering from this. Like the fact that we haven't even gotten somebody that can have a real proper proof of concept that this can be done justice to in a fictional setting where there's that added shield um of being fiction that allows you to play with the world and the characters and the events a bit more and explore them in you know specific and you know probably upsetting ways and the fact that they're trying to do this based off of something that is fresh in a lot of people's minds like i still remember the iraq war vividly like it, i was i was in high school like um you know, I didn't, I didn't serve, but I, I was around when it was happening. Like, this isn't something, this isn't the type, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought. I just, I don't think that they're going to be able to do this justice when no one has been able to prove that they can accurately handle this. Well, they can't. And I, I mean, I mean, I think it's, it's just the bottom line. They can't. Yeah. And you I cannot, think it's, you, you, go ahead. I think, I think it's also just kind of self-aggrandizing and conceited and overestimating your own abilities with the way that they have spoken about this game uh, especially in the stuff that came out today with how how it's coming back that you know leaves me to have very little confidence in this project it's, what what it's just shitty to make money off of something that's shitty to begin with right yeah like yeah fuck yeah it is you know and 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 so the I, sentiment sorry. i've been seeing no jeff go ahead no that's okay no the only thing i was gonna say is um you know just uh 
taking all this in, obviously I have no experience with any of this stuff. I think I agree with everything you guys said. And I think um, I'm not against trying to um, make a game about the experiences of war, but this isn't the kind of game and that's not the type of approach I think that should take. Um, first of all, don't claim that it will like be representative of being there because like you said, it never could. What I'd like to see if they ever do try to do something like this is it doesn't need to be like a third person shooter. I think we even um, maybe we've had some of these types of games before, but uh, I would be down if like you actually brought in a team of five or 10 veterans, had them co collaborate with you on writing it and made it, you know, like a point and click type thing or like more of like a, an emotional like, um, you know, try to convey that experience without trying to be a war simulator because you try to go the simulation aspect, which is what this is trying to attack you're never going to recreate that. Like you said, you're never going to convey that experience, but that doesn't mean that like we can't get, um, you know, we can't really respect the people who went through the things that you went through and we can't have their stories told. We can, um, but just don't pretend like, you know, you're going to sit down and play this five hour video game and pretend you fought in Iraq because you didn't. That's right. That's what I so think. So, you know, so so here's the thing. Like, I have seen this sentiment over and over and over today, and it fucking frustrates the shit out of me, is that, you know, and of course, I had, you know, the usual shithead send me DMs. Well, you know, how dare you try to take away my realistic experience? I just want to be there. I just want to be, you know, I, I want to I want to experience that. Now, I remember when I wrote an article for IGN about White Phosphorus, and people said, well, John, it's just a video game. It's just a video game. Like, why fuck around? Those same people are now, well, we need a realistic war experience. We need to look, pick one. You can't have fucking both. Okay. And if you want the experience of going to war, if which you fucking don't trust me, if you've never been near one, but if you do, if you really want one, go enlist in the fucking military. Okay. Don't count on a fucking video game to give you that because it insults me. It insults the fucking, it's, it insults everybody who was over there. It insults the fucking Iraqi civilians who died, who should be alive right now. Okay, if you're going to make a fucking video game, make a video game from the perspective of an Iraqi civilian who's watching his country fall apart because an invading force occupied it, which is exactly what we did. Yeah, That's what power, we did. The power dynamic here is so heavily skewed against, I mean, in the narrative, we have heard enough stories about the U.S. military and about soldiers in Iraq and, and what westerners what 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 americans and and like western europeans do not see enough of is the perspective of people who actually had to deal with that like i said imagine if your if a foreign power airdropped into your hometown like again you know me i'm incredibly critic critical of the u.s government regardless of who's in power i'm super against the u.s imperialist war machine but if a foreign power airdropped into louisville like those people would be in my home and that's that's the position so many of these supposed enemy and that's why again that line about they draw you further back into the house to trap you in there it's like in a lot of those cases where that happened that's the people who lived in that house those aren't soldiers those are people who lived in that house <laughs> Who so are doing what they had to to protect themselves. So let's talk about that for a minute, Derek, because I watched the trailer today um, and there was a line, you know, the black flag of Al Qaeda. OK, let's talk about that. Let's talk about who the enemy in Iraq was. OK, because Al Qaeda in Iraq did not fucking exist. When we went there, OK, the 
the lion's share of the insurgency was created by us. And this is what we do throughout history over and over and over and over is we create our own demons. We create our own fucking enemies. When we went to Iraq in 2003 and we did our thing, we went in there, we kicked ass. What we did was we put a civilian, Paul Bremer, in charge. We disbanded the Iraqi military and we outlawed the Ba'ath Party. Okay? So now you've got hundreds of thousands of Iraqi soldiers who very rightfully are pissed off that we came in there and took away their standard of living, took away their jobs. They joined the insurgency. That is where the insurgency came from. Now, I'll, now um, terrorist organizations did come in from other countries to take advantage of the situation, but we created the fucking situation in the first place and handed groups like Al-Qaeda a major fucking propaganda victory because they've been saying for years and years and years after, after bin Laden released the fatwa in 1998, um, he said, you know, the Americans are going to come to the Middle East. You know, they're going to come to the Holy Land and they're going to fucking take us over. That's what we did. That's what we did. And and we don't seem to fucking understand that. And we we do this. We do this time and time and time and time again. And what I always come back to is a story from 1989 when we quite rightfully uh, supplied billions of dollars worth of weapons to the Afghan Mujahideen to kick the Soviets out. They were getting slaughtered by the Soviet army. We did the right thing there for once. Um, of course, it was all covert, you know, so nobody really knew about it. Um, but that was done by Congressman Charlie Wilson. And he was working in tandem with a CIA case officer named Gustav Kodos. And after it was done, after the after, and that it pretty much resulted in the end of the Soviet Union. Um, and what, and they had a conversation after the Soviets got kicked out. They were on a balcony and, uh, and they were talking about what had happened. And Gustav Kodos, who was a very smart guy, said, you know, he said, not for nothing, Charlie, but have I ever told you the story about the Zen master? And Charlie Wilson said, no. And he said, so he said, there's a village. There's a village in the mountains, and one day, a boy in the village gets a horse. And all the villagers say, oh, how wonderful. The Zen master says, we'll see. He says, and then a little while later, the boy falls off the horse and breaks his leg. He can't walk anymore. And all the villagers say, oh, how terrible. The Zen master says, we'll see. Then a year later, a war breaks out, and all the young men in the village have to go off and fight, except for the boy who busted his leg up. He can't walk, so he can't go fight. And all the villagers say, oh, how wonderful. The Zen master says, We'll see. And the point of the story, uh, as Gus Evercotos told, said to Charlie, he said, I'm going to hand you a classified NIU right now, and it's going to tell you that the crazies are rolling into Kandahar like it's a fucking bathtub drain. Who do you think the crazies were? That was the Taliban. Um, and they rolled in there because we left. We went in there, and we did all these good things, and we left. We left the Afghans high and dry. We didn't put any money into schools. We didn't put any money into infrastructure. We didn't put any money into the government. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't give the people food. We give them weapons, great. But what are they going to do? Eat fucking bullets after the Soviets left? We didn't give them clean water. We didn't give them livestock. We didn't help them rebuild their lives. We, we went in there, we dropped a shitload of weapons, and we left. We left. And we always do this. We always do this. We go in there. We change the world. And we fuck up the end game. I don't think there is a single enemy that we have had 
since World War II that we have not created for ourselves. And at this point, I don't think we're ever going to learn our lesson. And I think that's the frustrating thing about American history is we're always portrayed as the heroes. Like, you know, we were, we're always not in Iraq. We're not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Even even in all the other wars, we're portrayed as these heroes. And it's not until like just for instance, New Orleans has a World War II museum and <clears throat> it shows everything that we did as Americans to to that war and you never get that perspective you only get the perspective of what the bad guys did to to us right so it's just i i don't know i just don't think having this type of game is necessary uh because in war there's there's always two sides to a story it's not just good guy goes into somewhere and you know fixes it that's that's not the case you know and and that's never the case with war is nothing nothing yeah you might solve a conflict or an issue but at like in the end there's there's always there's always something that's not complete there's always there's always loose ends and ties which is which is basically what you've been saying and it's just it's just frustrating because when you go to school or when you read about stuff we're always just these you know valiant winners who just you know kicked ass and you don't you don't hear about the other side you don't hear about the other people you know that's, and, that's and, such and, a great can i can i take this one john no, please, please, that's, please. that's so good and it's so cool that you bring up World War II, because I think World War II is is a lot of people do have this like what they think is a very good knowledge of World War II, uh, based on what we're taught repeatedly over and over through elementary, middle, high school in the United States. And the funny thing is that it's so wrong. Like our our stereotypes about the French, about you know the French surrendering, are bullshit based on World War II, based on France surrendering to Nazi Germany that don't pay any homage to the work that the French resistance did from within no. France occupied Germany. We don't talk no. about the fact that yeah. Russia bore the, the brunt of the casualties, uh, you know, from fighting against the Nazis and that Russia basically defeated the Nazis. Wasn't us. It, yeah. So, and, and we also so, don't talk about stuff like Japanese internment and yeah. like, well, like we're constantly well, you know, talk like about like, the nuking of Hiroshima and Nagasaki as being like, oh, it ended up saving more lives than it took when it like, that was something I was, I remember being taught in school and the reality is not really like, and that's something that, you know, there's still like trauma in that nation to this day because, because of that, like. Absolutely. Um, 100%. So, you know, we talk about, and, and I'll just make this as a quick aside, we talk uh, about World War II as being the greatest generation, right? But the reality is, is that Nazi POWs had more civil rights in America than black GIs. Um, Nazi Black GIs had to give up their seats for white Nazi officers. Adolf Hitler on, got his ideas from the United States on how we treated our minorities. I mean, that, that's like, just a fact. You know, that's just a fact. So, so, so every, anybody who calls that, that the greatest generation can fucking kiss my well, ass. And I, I, I also just want to point out that the Nazis were in the fucking Mississippi river. Like it wasn't like they were across the fucking continent. They were here. 
And I think Up that's until one recently, of the main. The Nazis were in the White House. There was so much rampant anti-Semitism in America prior to World War II that they deliberately, when we went to war, they deliberately did not mention what was happening. And with the America Holocaust. didn't want to go to war. Just, just pointing that out. Like yeah. nobody wanted to go to war. Nobody, nobody wanted to do it. We only and then did, it we did it, and then we take pride in it. You know, we only like did that's because we got attacked. Up. That's the only reason we joined. Exactly. It's interesting hearing you guys like say all this stuff they didn't tell you, uh, just from like an outside perspective, because like uh, we definitely learned all that. So it's just kind of a, I guess, yeah. like a combination of the U.S. propaganda machine, even within you know the education system. Like we had a, like a whole semester about Japanese internment camps. Yeah, yeah. Here, Jeff. And, like, Jeff, I, I'm I'm curious. Like, there's still stuff in the U.S. that like is taught differently about the Civil War. Like, there are places in the South that refer to the civil war as the act of northern aggression and mm -hmm. it like of the curriculum is built a lot around um confederate the, the confederate the perspective of the confederacy and you know that which like as someone i live very far up north um in an area that was you know heavily populated by people that came from the other underground railroad and stuff so we learn about that stuff but it's all like in the us a lot of education is both shaped by the government um, building up the idea of the U.S. as well as like making your local area seem um, great and like being rich with local history, which is why there's so much resistance with like removing conf Confederate um, monuments and stuff, is because people think it's their, you know, local history being removed um, instead of something to be embarrassed by. So, you know, I I I don't want to dedicate the whole episode if i may to this wrap this game. back around um, then, um so can i say one more thing derek yeah yeah absolutely you want if i say one more thing um i've been i've been stewing all day on this and um it's brought up a lot of it's brought up it's brought up a lot of memories uh that i hadn't forgotten about but i haven't thought about in a long time um and the idea, I think what upsets me the most about this, aside from this being, uh, you know, a, a video game glorification of a completely illegal occupation, is that to, to, to be so brazen to say that our piece of electronic media can transport you to the battlefield and feel help you feel what those soldiers felt what those marines felt what those iraqi civilians felt is hubris on a level that i cannot comprehend you know that fucking asshole in chat earlier who said you know oh well isn't it disrespecting the wishes of the marine who who wanted the game to be made i'm allowed to disagree with him and I do disagree. I don't know the guy, but I disagree with him. Well, like so um, much, like so much uh, troop worship in the United States, it's really only about worshiping the troops as long as it's uh, continuing to push the the warfare that you want to see. Right. Mm -hmm. It's never about the anti-war vets. It's not about the people who speak out against it. So I have I have so much that I am regretful for, and. Trust me on this. If you want to experience war the way that I have, the way that others have, 
one, you don't want that. And two, a video game just isn't going to do it for you. It's just not. And if, if there's a video game that can, I am begging you, don't play it. You don't, you don't want the memories that I have. You don't want the memories that other guys I know have, other men and women I know have. You don't want to have been there and had to have done the things that we've done to stay alive. Because in more ways than I can count, we are still in the desert. And that's all I got to say about that. So I promise we're moving on to lighter subject matter. The way I would wrap this all up and summarize this, if people want to pay no attention to the depth and subtlety of what's been talked about the last like 35 minutes is I do not trust, we do not trust a U.S. centric perspective on Fallujah to be properly in historical context for what that means um, to not in some way, even if by accident, further the kind of U.S. imperialist viewpoint and agenda. Uh, and that's not to say, that is not to say that Six Days in Fallujah could not come out and actually be a deeply thoughtful and introspective piece of media that does touch on what we did wrong, how so many U.S. soldiers are indoctrinated into service from a young age and and before their brains are finished developing and cannot be held fully accountable for what they were set upon to do um you know how some people were monsters that took refuge in that crowd to do what they always wanted to do and commit acts of hate and violence um it, it's not to say that six days in Fluja could not touch on all of the right notes and land it perfectly I'm fully willing to to retract, well, retract nothing, but I'm fully prepared to, to, to praise this game if it comes out and it does that. What I'm saying is that your natural inclination should be is to be skeptical that it will do so. Uh, and and that's, that's the bulk of it, right? It's not harassed developers. That's why it's kind of a pain in the ass. We had that guy in chat earlier just asking questions so much, right? Because we're not harassing anybody. We're not sending threats to the developers. Nobody should. But I think you should be skeptical of this game. Absolutely. Uh, Have an I open think, mind. I think you should be skeptical of it. I think you should be willing and emotionally mature enough to to question U.S. imperialist the U.S. imperialist agenda and to recognize where we fucked up and to recognize that this will... that. This, like almost any other piece of media about the Iraq war, is probably not going to get it right. And if that's too hard for you to do, then I apologize for you. You have some soul searching to do. Um, but also be prepared to be wrong. Always be prepared to be wrong if it comes out and it does right. I'm ready for it. I don't think it'll do it. I'm ready for it. Now, there's actually there's actually one more thing that I want to say, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then we'll move on to Anthem. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Better days I are am coming. So, I promise. I am so fucking. I'm so fucking concerned that this this is going to be used as some kind of fucking recruitment vehicle for the United States military. Well, we know that um, um, that the military is in, involved, like the and it's CIA and um, 
you read more than I did. I don't I don't have it internalized, but what 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 tips me off is the fact that in the all the official press releases, soldiers capitalized. That's what the DOD does. Nobody else does that. The DOD does that. Um they've been trying to get people to do it for years and years and people just won't do it. Um so I am I am certain that the DOD has a hand in this. Um yeah. and using video games as a recruitment tool, <clears throat> excuse me um would not be a first for them i mean you got america's army and all those games you've got the esports team um <clears throat> i know a fun me. story about the american esports team is that is, i is it i it's fun i listened to a yeah, conversation from story. several of them who were on the same flight as me um who were flying <laughs> into uh pax east last year uh our last pax um and they were they were there for u.s army esports and they had to compete and multiple of them were complaining that they'd never played the games they were there to compete in. They're just nameless faces sent to fill out a roster so that the U.S. Army can be a part of that stuff. It doesn't even matter. They're not even there for the, the competition of the sport. Their players don't practice. Half of them don't practice. They also they- don't get their winnings. Yeah. The winnings, if they if they happen to win, that goes straight to the U.S. government yeah. and the military. It's, 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 it's fun. It's, it's fun topic. So... So yeah, uh, look, this has been dark as shit. I think we have yeah. given it its proper. Um, if, if you no guys else... don't mind, if you guys don't mind, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dip out for the rest of the. Um, okay, you do what the, you gotta do, bud. John, took, thank you. Before so you much. go, I just, I just want to make sure that you know that we love you and that your experiences are real and we, we value them and you're heard and you're just, lo- you're loved, dude. It means a lot that you're willing to come on and talk about this sort of thing because so often the wrong people try to use veterans as their shield for certain types of criticisms. And to hear you speak so raw and passionately and in-depth about your experiences and how it changed you, um, it, it really is something that's very meaningful and it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of strength. So thank you so much for joining us. I want um, you to see that love. Take care of yourself. Hear that love here. We love you. Know that I'm going to bring up Final Fantasy for you in the next in the next segment. (laughs) I love you guys too. I just I just I I just I like I'm I'm not in a place to talk about like Final Fantasy right now. Yeah, that's okay. I got your back. That's all right. We're here for you. I'm here for it. We all got this. We love you, big dude. We love you, dude. Bye, guys. Are we actually talking about Final Fantasy? No, well, oh, it's, it's gonna come we? up. No, we're gonna talk about Anthem, everyone's favorite right, game. Yeah. We're talking uh, about Final Fantasy. Which, yeah, <laughs> get a drink. Time. Okay, guys. Okay. Now, I say this is gonna be a fun topic. I just mean in that we're not talking about fucking war anymore, um, and and U.S. imperialism. So, uh, this is this seemed like it would be a fun subject for us to talk about because because we haven't hit it in a while. Jason Schreier, Schreier, however the fuck you pronounce I've talked to him on the phone, and I don't remember how to say his fucking name. I, I think it's Schreier. Can yeah. we hear about that story? <laughs> no, you cannot. Um, <laughs> you cannot hear about that story. But I, um, I think I know that story. <laughs> you may. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, um, Jason uh, told, told the internet at large, not us specifically, that uh, this... Well, apparently was, he told you on the phone, Derek. No, no, no. This this was this was a couple years ago. Um, but that this is a make or break week for Anthem. This is apparently the week. Basically, EA is 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 coming to a final decision on do we 
double down on and save Anthem? Or do we pull the plug entirely, call it a complete loss? It's weird. I kind of thought they'd already called it a complete loss. I haven't thought about Anthem in a hot minute. Um, so That's fair. Um, yeah. just, just kind of what I have heard from a few people that I've spoken to is um, the team that has been working on Anthem has basically, they're not doing very many live updates or anything to the current game. They're, they basically have been working for the past year and a half is the christmas stuff on... still up <laughs> well that, that might be from um, from two years ago 19 from two years ago so it's not even 20 basically <laughs> basically they've been working on like anthem next which is essentially supposed to be like the a realm reborn or you know basically every single live service game has had an expansion that got it back on track and essentially, they have decided to, you know, work on that heads down. We don't know much about what they're doing, what their plans are, but they've been working on it for a while. Um, and so this is the week where um, EA is going to decide if that Bioware team is going to continue working on this and if it will actually make it to release or if they're just going to completely cut their losses. So uh, that's kind of where that is. Um, I imagine he'll give us an update yeah um, yeah when a decision has so been if, made if i may make one small point of of note uh for listeners and for us uh because it seems like wow why would you even bother to save it at this point final fantasy 14 and final fantasy 14 a realm reborn are three years apart vanilla final fantasy 14 the failure that it was lasted three years before it finally got moved into a realm reborn and rebooted to a point that it was actually something people wanted to play. Anthem came out in 2019, so it's not been nearly as long yet as Final Fantasy XIV was out. So, so we're, we're just going to say there's precedent for games, online games that have been out for a, a hot minute to be seriously rebooted if that's what EA decides to do. Yeah, Um you know, I'll, I'll weigh in real quick, uh, just because I think it follows what Justin said really well. Um, you know, to, to paint the picture for people, my understanding, which I think is what Justin said, is uh, they basically, I think they've basically been, they've got a smaller team that's basically been building a prototype. And they're, it sounds like they're going to walk into a boardroom and present it and be like, here's the new game, here's our vision for it. And then EA has to decide if this is worth um, basically. Uh, scaling up that team and spending the next one or two years or more, I don't know, um, making this a finished product and relaunching it. And I'm, that's where I'm a little skeptical. I don't doubt the talent at Bioware. I don't doubt their commitment. Um, and I am sure they fixed a lot of the problems, but like we've talked about over and over again with these live service games, you can't just be a good game or an okay game, uh, which it, Anthem seems like it was not, it was like, had some good elements, but basically it was bad to mediocre. Um, and it's not Anthem, enough to just be good. Like you have to, yeah. uh, you have to take, you have to be good enough that someone playing Destiny is like, mm, I'm gonna put Destiny down and play Anthem. Or someone playing Division or Final Fantasy IV, not that they all share the same audience, but you get what I'm saying. Like people only have a finite amount of time and a finite amount of money, and um, you know, you need to make something that's compelling enough. And not just that, like that, that's where I'm going with this is the monetization model. You know, the developers working on this are passionate about making this game, but the people that are going to give this green light, 
want to make money. They're going to give it the green light because they think it can make them a lot of money. And I don't see the monetization avenue for this because there's two scenarios for me. Uh, you charge everyone for this new game, which is not going to go over well because people paid already 60 or $80, depending where you live, for the first game that completely disappointed them. Nobody wants to rebuy it for what it should have been. So what? You, uh, but then the other avenue is like, okay, so you give this as a free update to all those people. But then again, how does that justify two years of full development to reboot this for Ramier's perspective? And then, okay, maybe you sell it on season passes and stuff, but that's where I'm skeptical that even if the new product is good, it has to be good enough to keep keep people coming back for one year, two years, like Destiny, buying season passes, buying DLC. And I wanna, I want this game to succeed. I want it to be, uh, you know, a comeback story. And I just, I just don't see it. That's, I don't know. I, I can't see it. It needs to be like an eleven out of ten and yeah. knock every aspect out of the park. And I just can't see it. It's hard because at so least FF14 up- makes sub subscription money, and Anthem doesn't. So yeah, yeah. Like, and kind of just building on what uh, Jeff just said is. If it comes back, it needs to be an 11 out of 10. BioWare is in a position where every single one of their IPs have to come back and be an 11 out of 10. They have another Dragon Age game announced. They have another Mass Effect game announced. They have that Mass Effect Legendary Edition launching soon. Um, We, like, BioWare is a company that has a lot of love for it, and we also really that also really needs a win after kind of a rough stretch this past generation. And my question, like, I honestly think that Bioware has the talent um, and EA obviously has the resources to, if they wanted to make Anthem work, they could make Anthem work. I just don't know if that's the best use of the resources that Bioware has right now. Um, if they, that could get a whole nother team assisting on Dragon Age or Mass Effect um, and kind of rebuilding the reputation of those IPs and that studio um, before trying to jump into doing, hey, here's a big live service or something. Um, I think that might be a better use of the resources. I don't want anybody to lose their jobs. I'm not going to be slamming um, Bioware on this. I just think that they're at a very particular moment when they need um, they need to make the right decisions for the two big games that we know they have coming down the pipe. Yeah, it's like one of those like uh, when you're in trouble, the usually the safest and best bet is to go back to your roots and go back to what works. And I know a lot of people think that EA pushed uh, this on them, and I don't I don't want to speak for Bioware. I don't know if that's verified or not. What I heard is that. Um, Bioware themselves was really excited about this project and really wanted to make this type of game. And I respect that. But, you know, uh, I think, like you said, Justin, you know, the the struggles that it had and the long road ahead, it, you know, even if you could turn it around a little bit, just maybe you'd be better off really looking inward at what that team's strengths are and uh, understanding that not a lot of the people that made Mass Effect are still there. Um, but that the core of that company has always been single player story-driven rpgs and i think you just kind of they got all these projects on the go and maybe what you really need to do is just say slow everything down and let's just ship one really really good product and go from there and then maybe 
five years down the road, you can circle back and say, let's take what worked in Anthem and let's make a new game with that and let's do it right this time. Um, but I don't know. It, it just seems, yeah, it seems uh, very daunting. So I think one of the things um, that I think, I know that I brought up Final Fantasy fourteen, but I want to bring up a, a major distinction between the situation. I just, that, I just love that. We're still talking about final fantasy. I know, there, but you. a major, but I think it's, it's worth it. A, a major distinction between what Bioware is going through versus what Square Enix is going through. Okay. Square Enix is a publisher. Can you name offhand the team that worked on final fantasy 14 and a realm reborn? You know about Yoshi P. Three, but that's not fair. Okay, that's not fair. That's not you might fair. Because me and right. Rich just recorded most a people, podcast. Most people, most people <laughs> could not. Bioware is a developer. Bioware is Bioware, not EA, right? And Bioware, when Anthem came out, was on the the bad end of a string of rough releases for them. Compare that to if if FF14 needed to die for a bit for FF14 to come back especially as, as a numbered Final Fantasy entry, right? That's also another difference is that you're talking about numbered entry in a huge series that's very important to a massive company whose developers may as well be anonymous. Compare that to a new entry from a beloved developer who's fallen on hard times. I think that a lot of people would fully accept if Bioware cut their losses with Anthem and moved that staff on to work on Mass Effect or Dragon Age or, or whatever. Um, despite the fact they may not even be within the same teams within the studio, like that's, that's beside the point. That's the, the perception that people would have. And I think that perception means a lot. Um, and that it's just hard because I think they could save Anthem, but it's like, nobody would, would blame them for, for cutting it loose. And it just feels like it's a risk. It's like a high risk situation for what may not be a big enough reward. And to go to the other side of that, like, I mean, you just made the reference to like Square Enix and it, uh, you know, Final Fantasies like are probably not arguably, but probably is their biggest franchise. And I think they even talked about it. Like they understood that their whole reputation of their biggest franchise had been soured by this. Um, but they're also a big publisher and they have the ability to do that. And I think on the flip side, uh, the other game I've seen compared to this a lot is No Man's Sky. But they're on the other end of that where they don't really have to answer to anyone and they had the freedom to just kind of do their own thing just and plug away at money. it for a while. Yeah, exactly. And they're saying, okay, we can just not, we'll just cut our revenue. We don't need to make new sales. Let's just work on rebuilding our reputation. But it, unfortunately, again, Bioware doesn't have that luxury. Um, EA is the one who, who calls the shots. And like you said, this isn't... Uh, you know, Battlefield, which I guess, uh, or maybe Battlefront or like, you know, um, it Anthem did good, but it didn't sell 15, 20 million copies, right? Yeah. It sold, like, it sold like 4 million that opening weekend, but then like fell off a cliff immediately mm -hmm. and had very poor seems uh, to be the, retention. The case with most of these service games, like, uh, it seems like a lot of people managed to make a decent first 20, 30 hours, but for all the shit destiny gets like nobody seems to have been able to make a game that's like destiny's still around eight uh going on seven years later i guess and uh i don't know everyone's trying been trying to ape that success and i i don't think anyone's done it quite like bungie has so um 
another great example of this, though. See, because I'm, I'm thinking back in the other direction. I'm about to play devil's advocate again with myself. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. But <laughs> like we just got the news. Um, I don't remember what the number was, if it was one billion or two billion. Uh, but like Apex Legends made some stupid amount of, of revenue in in less than two years i think it might be a billion. it was well over a billion i, I forgot what it was yeah, yeah. there's one like, something billion in like less than two years um and this after remember stories about the game when it first launched were how much of a failure it was in comparison to fortnite that and this is this is under ea's umbrella a, a live service game that they put the money into sustainably because remember that apex legends respawn was very hardcore about no crunch on this title um, and it has grown over time and it is it is a free game and it has made all of that money back and then some. So, I mean, Anthem, if it transitioned to the right free to play model, maybe could. But I mean, as you pointed out, Jeff, it can't come back and be good. It's got to come back and be exceptional. Apex Legends is exceptional. Can it can Anthem 2.0 be that? I don't know. Uh, I can see why this decision has has not been made yet. Why it's hovered kind of over people's heads within EA for so long. Because I I I really can see why you'd want to just give it that push versus cut your cut your losses and just move on to the next Bioware thing. And, and we didn't even mention that the game is on Game Pass now. Or uh, sorry, not Game. Is it? I don't know if it's on Game Pass. EA, like EA, EA, EA Play, Play Access, which or is EA part Access. of Game Pass now on everything but PC, if I remember correctly. True. So, I mean, so. that goes back to the monetization aspect. If they can make a really good game and get people invested again, you know, maybe they can't sell all those copies, but you've got the 4 million people that bought it when it came out, plus whoever has access to Game Pass, which is seemingly a lot of people now. Um, if you can get them invested in that ecosystem and make it good enough to hook them, um, there is there is a chance. But yeah, it has to be really good. I'm saying there's really, a chance. Really, really good. <laughs> Finn, Finn, you you've been chilling for a little bit. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Anthem? <laughs> Fuck no. Anthem. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Finn, That's you, it. That's have, Finn's one contribution you have a to pun tonight. about Anthem. We will allow you I, one. I was one, going to one discuss pun. how fourteen was the standard bearer for fixing a failed game, and Derek took it before I could because oh, he's a I'm jerk. Sorry, face. bud. And well, I mean, Rainbow Six Siege. You can talk about Rainbow Six Siege. That's you didn't give a fuck about there's, Rainbow Six Siege. There's lots of big games that have re reinvented themselves, but uh, I just don't think EA has what it takes to let Bioware do it. Yeah, I don't I don't think we're going to I think even if they do green light it, it's not going to be what they hope it to be. Did you play Anthem? Did I play Anthem? I played the beta. And do you have the special was... edition of Anthem somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do have the actual I did buy the game because it came with a steel book and that's all I need. Um, <laughs> my friends played it for a bit. Uh, I jumped in with them every now and then. I mean, the the it had its moments. I could see the potential. I just don't see it doing what it needs to do. I don't I don't see a future for Anthem. I think uh people have moved on and How, one thing though I do hope uh BioWare looks into probably for Mass Effect or something. Get those jetpacks in some other BioWare Yo. game because 
they hand like that part of the game is the really mobility cool. is great and mass effect and yeah, really had good. a really good mobility system with its jump jet uh, thank you combat. finn uh, is flying uh, an anthem anything if anyone here has played iron both- man the video game i was gonna say is it like playing as iron man and avengers because that's yes. pretty good flying okay it's yeah better. that's great okay it's better than that then that's even better yeah. so I mean, but that's part of why it, it was so frustrating because everything wrapped around the flying and the uh, maneuverability was just not great. Uh, it suffered the same problem Avengers did. Um, the actual content you would do in multiplayer for quote unquote in game or even just regular game was pointless and the gear system was pointless. And it just, it doesn't have that destiny or wow moment where you know there's a drop that you want to get. Like Destiny and WoW are, are two, and Final Fantasy XIV, like those are games where people will replay the same tedious mission with a group of friends because they know what they want and they know when they get that drop, it will make a significant change to their play style, to their character. I mean, I remember in WoW, you would be doing raids because you needed that one gear drop that was going to completely change your DPS or whatever. Anthem and Avengers don't have that. And that is what these games need to learn is that. Uh, and I think to a lesser extent, Division suffered from that. It's just the, the loot isn't good enough to justify the repetition. Because if the if the prize isn't is good enough and actually impacts the way you play, then awesome. It's 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 you're going to have people more invested. But Anthem did not have that. Yeah, like I, I remember. Wasn't I don't there also often, like an? I don't often cite. Sorry, Reddit. go ahead, Jeff. No, that's all right. I don't often cite Reddit, but I do remember around the time the game launched. Um, the Reddit community stuck in there for a long time with Anthem, and they were very positive about it until I reached a point where they gave up too. But there was a really good post that I, I don't have access to now. But they actually like people much smarter than me broke down all the loot systems and all the numbers and damage, and it was just like every aspect of the game was just fundamentally broken, like. The mm-hmm. way it calculated is- damage, the way it calculated like loot drops and stuff like that. It just, it all like just, it was, it was like no amount of patches or it could work it because the whole foundation of the system just didn't work. And it was, wasn't it, it was like, like the default, like the default assault rifle had the highest DPS of that we- weapon class or basically, something? Basically, it was like, it just, how the numbers worked, it meant there was no point in doing anything. Like the easiest thing to do is nothing and you would have the best <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's the problem is, uh, I mean, because games like that, that are loot based shooters, that's what Destiny like that is basically their genre. Uh, If the loot is not good and does not impact their like you again, talk to a Destiny player about their favorite weapon and all of them have one. And it's because it changes the way you play. And and there's also almost all of them remember how they got it. Yeah, they remember. um they have a story behind it. Like, like I can tell you the story about the night I got two Hawk moons in vanilla destiny. And it's still one of my favorite memories. In and that's the other thing you can name the fucking drops in destiny. I could name some wow drops. I'm sure Brittany and Jeff could drop some names, some stuff that they get in final fantasy 14. Uh, but I can't tell you anything that I picked up in Avengers because it was always like the same name, but with a plus one 
nano it it, it, it added 0.05 percent to a cooldown that might <laughs> pop five percent of the time in a specific circumstance like that doesn't make me go oh yeah that's boring it's a uh, it's it's why mass effect went away from the mass effect one style of loot uh i felt it was more rpg ish but two and three dropped that because you'd be it clutters up your time when all you have you have to keep jumping into your inventory to clear stuff out and none of it is worthwhile mm -hmm. i that's that's the anthem problem Mm -hmm. and anthem problem that's one factor Britt, do you have anything all right i think we i think we might have we may have dragged <laughs> anthem out as far as we can well do we want to touch on the other topic that we i think we've got about? a little time too time? um eh. you know if just to make like a statement eh, derek I, derek can i ask a question real quick yeah yeah or do we just want to fuck about for the rest of our show time because we can also do that we could use the lightheartedness i'm gonna fuck about a little bit because i saw you moving your door very rapidly and now your camera's off and i'm wondering if you just yeeted your shirt off i sure the fuck did y'all <laughs> i am i am fucking called folks i am completely shirtless yeah. right now <laughs> I am baking in this fucking office, y'all. Y'all need to understand something, okay? This Please. office, this office has a vent up there that pumps the heat into this room, and this room retains heat. And I have all this equipment and these fucking studio lights that put off so much heat. So this room, and then I gotta shut the door. Nothing so that top Derek shirtless on the street, like so that none of this goes in and out. Okay, so that so that we are as as noise okay, I did as not possible. expect. I did not expect this episode but going from where it started. I know. <laughs> we needed this. Y'all needed this. I don't need this because I'm literally dying right now. My, zoomed in my so completely hairless in. armpits are a swamp right now. My shirt is unusable. It's brutal in here. I am so burning alive. I don't. She must have turned the the heat to fucking ninety seven degrees. Like I, I just I'm waiting for John to just burst here. Like oh, we're taking off our shirts and just he's just got a sledgehammer. So yes, yes, that did in fact happen. Jesus Christ! All right. Well, if no one's asking well, for it. <laughs> Ooh, Finn, I want to see that dad bod ready to go. Look, I just want everyone to know uh, that contrary to popular belief, I have not been making the blank on a blank memes. That's actually just been Jeff the whole oh, time. Oh shit! Oh shit! He <laughs> totally uh, put me absolute liar. This is this is <laughs> false. I I outright refute this claim slander yeah. lies and that slander sounds exactly what someone that would want to deny their culpability would do i can't believe you would uh betray yourself, believe jeff. the knife in my back mm. what did i do i believe jeff this? i stand with jeff i'm so nice to you Finn. also uh tomorrow cj is uh going to have his own oh i don't even know how you're gonna do that but i followed followed I, by a special guest i fear your power finn well I, I gotta throw something out there to close the show. Why don't we do what we've been playing? We got yeah, time. you know we've got the time to do it. So yeah, you know what? Yeah. Okay, can I go first? Hit you us. should go first, Ben. I haven't played a game in two weeks. Next. You fuck, <laughs> fuck you. I'll go next. You, you know what? Though, you're about to have a kid, so 
Finn, what have you like watched anything? You, you know, this is your little two minute soapbox. No, I, uh, I, uh, I have uh, just been a big depressed ball of blah. And I come home from work and I sit on the couch and fiddle on my phone until it's bedtime. It's been fun. God, I don't I have the feeling. drive to turn. I don't have the drive to turn on a single video game. Justin's going to send you his depression light. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't work that, that well. <laughs> I, 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 I do have to say that it does not work that well. Uh-oh. Okay. Well, I guess the cat's not hanging around. Uh, oh, I've downloaded an app that lets you join raids in Pokemon Go remotely, so now I don't even have to leave the house to, to do stuff. That's well, that's so. probably the safest way <laughs> really? to do it right now, huh? Is that a thing? Link it to me. It's awesome because because I never have people in my city to play with anymore because I moved and now I can play raids all around the world since you can remote invite people and I'm just like finally I can get all the legendaries I never got hell yeah I like your zoom in Derek thank Sweet you stuff. thank you oh man <laughs> it's like an advertisement for whatever skincare that Derek uses yeah not right now because I'm breaking out a little bit but you know <laughs> but anyway Britt what have you been playing. Oh, Say something other than being depressed on your couch like Finn. I've been playing World of Warcraft, and that's that's what we need to sum it up to. That's all I've been doing. How's that going? It's okay. So if I tell you guys what I've been doing in WoW, can you not make fun of me? I make no, no promise. We'll give you a we'll give you like a one day reprieve. Just know that I spent a we'll... decade hardcore playing WoW, so I probably will know. <laughs> nope. I've been role playing in WoW. Fuck yeah! Hell yes. Respect really? You. Yeah. Why wow. not? That's pretty cool. So anyway, that's what I've been doing. I've been after I do all my shit at home. I hop on WoW and I've been role playing, and it's been like the most zen fucking shit for me. I don't know why. Have you? So what is it like to actually role play as someone cool? Excuse wow. me. First off. First wow. off. <clears throat> I don't have a rebuttal to that, but that's just mean. <laughs> Second. <laughs> Why are you being so mean to me? Oh, you know. <sighs> I'm trying to think of what I've even been playing. Uh, other than the stuff that I've been playing on stream, which already is not what I normally do because of my fucked up thumb. Um, I will be playing God of War at some that's point. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. Um, Speaking yeah. of that, that's actually what I've been playing. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I booted it up last week because there was that PS5 update that lets you run it uh, 4K60. And I haven't stopped playing it since then. Um, my plan was to, you know, also go back and check out Control because um, I hadn't replayed Control from the beginning. And, but God of War has just kind of sucked me up because uh, sucked me in, sucked me up. Uh, Both of <laughs> I those got kind of sucked could apply into to it. me. Just... Fair. Um, because <laughs> nothing else really, nothing else really kind of scratches the itch that that game does. Like, there's no mm -hmm. real big action adventure games like that anymore. Um. It kind let of me, is. Let me ask you, know, you a I mean, question real quick. Did you sure. just start a brand new game, or were you able to load up a new save? I mean, I I started a brand new game. I like you can you can download your old saves if you want. Does I the game have like new game like, plus? Can you keep all your upgrades and stuff like yes, that? Yes, 
Well, that's that's one of the reasons that this patch was so good because like if you played the unpatched version, you could play it at 4K 60, but there was a lot of bug fixes and like <laughs> New Game Plus and the photo mode were all added after launch. So if you wanted to play the 4K 60 version, you couldn't <laughs> use any of those things. But now photo mode, New Game Plus and stuff you can use, you know, at the max resolution and okay. frame rate and stuff, which is um it, it, it's really really good it's a really good way to play the game um and it it looks really great <laughs> I, I i'm sorry i'm trying to keep a straight face while derek is just going wild oh, for everybody audio listens listeners. to the recording <laughs> our, our oh, audio listeners. <laughs> yeah there's the the derek's camera is zoomed in to like 400 percent and we got a real buff. good view this is the only option. If I want to have a camera, this is the only way we can not get banned right now. Uh, um, what have I been playing? Uh, fuck. This is the fourth week in a row I'm going to talk. I'm just on a big Final Fantasy kick, and I'm sorry. Yes, um, Final Fantasy I'm so Ten. sorry because I give John so much shit for it, but I, uh, yeah, I was playing um, Final Fantasy 15, and then I got past the good part of that game, so I swapped out to a good Final <laughs> Fantasy game, and... Uh, <laughs> Up on a ten, and now with the um, you know the expansion announcement for fourteen, I'm playing a lot of fourteen again. Uh, just grinding a whole bunch of raids to to get some good glamour gear and stuff like that. And um, I got to finish up uh, a whole bunch of raids because I want to do. I haven't played the latest patch content yet, but um, yeah, it's uh, it feels I don't know. It feels good to be back. That's just like a game that's just really uh, cozy, I guess. Like I just. I love just walking around, just running around that world, listening to the music, seeing all the different regions and stuff. It's really cool. Like, um, you know, someone who didn't play the game from the start and only got into it a couple years ago, actually being like present and active for the announcement of a big expansion and stuff like that. Um, you guys will, if anyone wants to listen, we'll have a pre-recorded uh, segment on the on the 14 expansion going up soon where we talk about it more in depth. But uh, yeah, it's it's really cool to be a part of like kind of a, I don't play multiplayer really much. So like being part of a live online service game where like things are changing and new things are happening and new things are coming and you're like there in the thick of it is, it's really exciting. So I don't know. It's a new experience for me and I'm enjoying it. I, uh, That's all I got. I've, I've burned through a couple games recently. Um, I, let me think. I, I, I've been playing some monster train which has been fun, interesting, good time killer. Very kind of reminds me of like Slave Aspire, uh, which everyone says it would. So that shouldn't have come as a surprise to me, but it's been a very good pick up, put down, play for small bits at a time kind of experience. Um, and then I started up uh, Battletech today, which I owned and owned the season pass and had never played a single second of. Uh, terrible choice on my part. Uh, it's a good game. The first two missions are weirdly difficult compared to what comes after it. But, uh, once you get past those first two missions, uh, it's, it's surprisingly much more leveled difficulty. So it's, it's fun. It's very, um, like XCOM, but giant robots in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, I think, uh, I know it's been very divisive. The game's definitely a little glitchy. Uh, I don't know that it's on anything but PC, but I've had I've had fun with it today. So, um, 
And then, of course, Justin and I just recorded a uh, review discussion for 13 Sentinels, which we both talked about, like, kind of on and off. It's been one of us and then the other for the last couple of podcasts. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, 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 we, we, yeah, we got to actually talk about it together. And so that's up, that's up on all podcast services if you want to check out some of our details on that. Our, some of our details. Check us out talking about that in more detail. Yeah. Um, do, do we both am, agree that Miwako is, is best character? I'm checking out Derek's details on his face. Yeah, right there's now. a lot of details right here. <laughs> you can see where yeah, I need and... to clean up my beard line because it's starting to grow above <laughs> where I shave it down to. And like down here is a little bad. I need to clean that line up. I got it's coming down over my lip. I got to get that a little bit. Mm-mm. This is awful. I hate this. I think I every got, single one of you looks amazing the way you one, are. I got one like the tail end of a pimple right there that I've been taking care of. I hate it. Look at that. One of my eyes is lower than the other. Ugh. Awful. What are you talking about? Derek, Stop. You're, you're beautiful. You're a beautiful man. You're beautiful. Ugh. Every single one of you is beautiful. Damn. Derek went from working in a newsroom to a fisherman real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Finn, I fucking love you, man. You know that? Uh... Y'all, I, uh, has anyone else not gone yet? Everyone gone? I think that was all of us. Cool. Let's talk about, I want to talk about something just for these last few minutes. I, uh, I haven't been able to make a couple shows out of the last couple. Um, and that's made me realize it's, it's not often that I can't be on SDGC. Um, and this has kind of made me Wait. realize, oh yes. Real quick. If you're yeah. going to do something serious, you got to unzoom your face. Okay, I can only unzoom it so much, um, but I will attempt just, just to. Just give us your shoulders. I need to see. Yeah, Shul- I need to see the nips out, but I need to see the barest. Is that better? Nip. That's better. That's good. Okay, okay. I'll take it. What if I do? What if I do? This. There we go. Yeah. So I get that background blur. Um, there you go. Okay. Sorry yeah. to interrupt, but yes. no, it's good. It's good. We'll, we'll get those shoulders in to give you give you some excitement. Well, chat's um, been asking for shoulders, so yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. So, uh, like I said, it's it's rare that I I miss an SDGC, and I've missed a couple uh, in the last month or so, um, and it's made me realize like how much I rely on this right now for good times. Period. Like socialization. Um, you know, we're coming up on on in in a couple weeks here. Most of us will have spent an entire year in self-quarantine, you know, and, um, that's hard because I, I have my fiance and I have two dogs and I have coworkers and that's about it. Uh, and that's not really healthy to, to deal with when it comes to your socialization. I definitely catch myself having entire conversations with my dogs where I'm both sides of the conversation. That's not good. That's, that's not exactly a good thing to be doing. Um, this means a lot. This every week, whether it's a, a heavy topic like us talking about fucking the Iraq war and having to ban goddamn nerds in chat who are jacking off just asking questions or, you know, whether we're, we're goofing off talking about Final Fantasy and I pretend to hate it because, oh, my God, we brought up Final Fantasy again, um, you know. This means a lot. You all mean a lot to me. 
I think that's one thing that we talked about at the end of um, our um, Final Fantasy episode that we just recorded with Jeff and John is that sometimes it's hard to hop on and just, you know, we've been so desensitized to everything around us that sometimes it takes the the most effort to hop on to you know record an after hours or record this podcast and then it's like when you get on here it's like what what was i even struggling with you know it's like it's just so easy to hang out and chill with you guys in the community that i'm thankful for y'all yeah Yeah, and i i think i've taken it for granted i had a couple talks with my wife this week we're both lucky enough that we get to work from home and stay safe in our house and don't have to work in a, in a public place. Um, but obviously, I mean, you know, some people in that, despite the risk, they get to see their coworkers and stuff like that. And I'm lucky enough. Uh, I get to see you guys every Thursday and I get that socialization and she, you know, my wife unfortunately has no family, um, doesn't have many friends and doesn't get to see coworkers. She, she literally hasn't talked to or seen another person's face in 12 months and I get to see all your beautiful faces every Thursday. Uh, so I, I think I do. I, I've taken that for granted, I think. And I, I don't know how bad a state I'd be in without this podcast. Cause it's, it's hard. We weren't designed, even introverts, we weren't designed to go this long and be this deprived of, of being loved and um, talking to people and, and sharing our experiences and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, just, I want, you to know, I love you nerds. Love you too, I love y'all. I love, I love eighty percent of this entire podcast. Wow, who's the twenty percent? I'm gonna guess me and John. I'm not rude. I'm not gonna tell you that. That's <laughs> terrible. I'm gonna leave you to fight amongst yourselves. <laughs> Finn, you you actually have already confirmed that before. You you've thrown out the stat and given confirmation. Maybe he's changed before. his mind. We have no way to know. Oh, yeah. my neighbors. Shit, I left. I just realized I left my window open. So like three of my neighbors can absolutely look in and see my nipples right now. Now, you know, I, I, I might love 80% of the podcast, but I love a hundred percent of our community. They are the That's best. That's fair. That's fair. I love 98% we have, we of have our community. community. And, the and the other 2% is Bronson. You know who you fucking are. <laughs> you know what you did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I ain't forget what you did. And by the way, baby watch has begun. Baby watch has begun. Baby watch. Baby watch 2021. Baby watch. Have a baby. Caitlin uh, just came back from the OB and they're like, I'm not going to say the technical stuff, but uh, it's now just a waiting game. Technical it stuff ha- is baby. Would you say the baby has gone gold and we're just. We're just I, have, I, I would. Yes. But, but actual gold, not cyberpunk gold. Okay. Thank you. Anna's going to come out like it was made. I would like that baby. Look, yeah, Anna. Anna is a first-party Nintendo game, not a third-party <laughs> EA game. Okay, Oof. there is no, Oof. no no day one patch yeah. needed. We launched the baby without tangibility. It's clipping through the floor. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> we lost it. It's uh, we're very excited. Um, so and, happy and for you, man. I, I when- cannot tell you how excited I was when I realized that I don't. She's gonna instead of birthdays, she's gonna have anniversaries. And I was so I I was so excited. I was like, I gotta tweet this, and I did, and I felt so good. I was like, oh, how has no one come up with that before? They probably have, but I never saw it, and therefore <laughs> I came up with it, and I'm the very baby. proud of that. Uh yeah. 
Dude, you're gonna get that's a that's a dad joke that you're gonna get so much mileage. Oh man! Like every year, you'll be able to. It's gonna be brutal. Also, all my friends are like, "Oh, I saw Ratchet and Clank got announced for June. Too bad you're not gonna play it." I'm like, (laughs) 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 "You think three month old Anna's not gonna sit on my lap and look at the pretty colors?" Yeah, exactly. Okay, Ratchet and Clank gonna happen. It's like showing a Disney movie to a baby. It's fine. When I first got Athena. At eight weeks old, puppy, not a human baby, but same problem, right? I could not sleep because she would not let me. Um, I started putting on uh, BBC nature documentaries, (laughs) and she loved it. And I could sleep on the couch while she watched Planet Earth. It was amazing. All I'm saying is uh, Ratchet and Clank going to happen. Yeah. All right. Game of the year 2021. but Finn, is Balan Wonderworld going to happen in March? Um, we have to wait and um, see what the final game is like. It's true. The that's, demo, that's true. the demo did not inspire confidence, but we shall see. I refuse. I refuse to go overly hard on a game published by a company that sponsors us. <laughs> but it's not even that. It's, yeah, I, know, I mean, I we're we're, it's we're, just, we're 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 never going to be the peak. We're not. We're not. We're not going to be we're swayed cynical. by that. We're not. But we're also. Dicks we, who, we're not going to shit on stuff to shit on it anyway. That's not how we yeah. roll. That's not our way. That's not our way. Games Folks. don't always turn out well, but like the people who work on them always try really hard, right? Yeah. Uh, but you know what game always turns out well? I'm a liar. Not even that does. You I was going to say Ratchet and Clank, but you, you know, know what? what? I played all for one. <laughs> you know what game doesn't always turn out really well, but we're going to try anyway is ending the podcast. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. Yeah, we're kind of just this, spinning wheels right yeah. now. I've been this trying. Is we start the and, and so let's talk about happening. the new upcoming Amazon animated show. It's gonna be okay, good. so I want to say thank um, you to John for yes, coming on and talking about his experiences yes. and just being open and honest and love Game Dad, support Game Dad. Yeah, yeah. Please send, please send him some love. Like this stuff is very tough talk about it's extremely draining and it forces him to reflect on a lot of really really tough memories and And i have so much admiration for him and i look up to him so much and he gets a lot of hate and abuse from both non-military and from military veterans and other people in that community for um the things he speaks up about so it's not He's not doing it to make friends and he's not doing it because it brings him lots of joy. Like it's, it's hard and it uh, invites conflict and he does it because um, these things need to be said and too many people aren't willing to, or just aren't able to talk about them. And that's fine. Some people, um, you know, it's a difficult subject and some people just aren't able to do that. And we appreciate his sacrifice in uh, educating those of us who, very fortunately, never have to experience this stuff. I'm very grateful um, that I don't have John's perspective, but I'm still Absolutely. thankful for him sharing his. So, Also, yeah. um, because he tends to get into his head a lot, uh, especially after moments like these, um, beyond just giving him your love, you could also uh, do one very simple thing to distract him and get him to snap out of that funk, and that is to DM him specifically to say that steak fries suck. Um, because I guarantee you, do he that. will. Don't do that. See, I posted links no, this morning. You think it's a joke? You think it's a joke? But he will go into steak fry mode, and that will snap him out of his funk at the moment. People That's like fair. 
It's true. That if there's what? one thing that he will jump to passionately defend, it's steak fries, and it's a very inoffensive like way to 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 instigate him. So I'm just saying, feel free to steak fry. Or send him. Oh, send we him got pictures a puppy with, now. We got a ranch puppy. on food. Ranch. <laughs>